Revelation chapter 1, and we will break in here at verse number 5. The Apostle John is speaking as he addresses these Christians, and he says this, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and has made us kings and priests unto God and his Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Just a phrase in verse 5 that I'm thinking about for the next 20 minutes or so. Unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his blood. This is a very, uh, <clears throat> this is a very special song, really. It is a song that every single person who is going to be in heaven will be able to sing and will sing. You see, we're all looking forward, at least most of us here, and I hope you will stick around and stay for a hymn sing. Maybe that's in your mind right now. I wonder how the hymn sing is going to go. And I'm sure it will go well, especially for those of us who are believers, who will unite to praise the Lord Jesus Christ and praise God. But here is a hymn sing that is going to take place in heaven, and it's one song. And every single person who is going to be in heaven will be able to sing this song honestly. You see, it is very possible and likely, even in my own life, to be able to sing songs, but not to sing them genuinely, to just mouth the words. But really, if you took a look at the lyrics, you'd have to say, I can't say that. I can't sing that. You know, every single person who will be in heaven will be able to sing this song genuinely and honestly. These lyrics, that it doesn't matter how old they are. It doesn't matter their race or their gender or how wealthy or unwealthy they are. Everyone will be able to sing this unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his blood unto him. It is the distinct song of heaven. I want to ask you just here at the beginning of my remarks tonight. Can you sing this song? Are you going to heaven? Have you thought today that if this life came to a close and if you were to open your eyes in eternity, would you be able, would you know, would you be 100% sure that I would be in heaven? Because I can, honestly, from my heart, sing these words. I can talk about another who has washed me from my sins by his blood. Can you sing that song? Very serious to think about. I want to tell you, first of all, you can know. You can know tonight if you're ready to be in heaven. The Apostle Paul said, he said, to die is gain. He doesn't say, I I, I hope it'll be gain if I would die. He said, for me to live is Christ and to die, if I were to die, I know it is gain. He said, if I were to die, I would be absent from the body at home with the Lord. It is possible to know, and I would like to begin by asking, do you know? Do you know that you would be in heaven? Do you know that your sins have been washed away? And I I would like to look at these lyrics tonight. I would like to look at these lyrics to this great song in the gospel. 
First of all, I want you to notice the direction of the song. Unto him. Listen, <laughs> there are a lot of good, nice people here. Listen, the only people who will be in heaven are people who will be pointing to him. If tonight, if tonight you point to anything in yourself, if you point to your good works, if you point to your church attendance, if you point to any ritual you went through, even if you were to point to your own faith or your own believing or your own repentance, no friend, everyone who will be in heaven will say this, I am not in heaven because of some great amount of faith I exercised on such and such a date. It will be because of him. Unto him. Unto him. That's the direction of the song. And that's what so many people miss. They miss this in their pursuit for forgiveness and peace. They look at themselves. And, and they look at themselves and they don't find any peace. And then they'll tell you, I, I don't know. I wouldn't say I'm going to be in hell, but I just don't know. And then they would tell you, you can't know either. Listen, if I were to look at myself, I couldn't know either. If I were to look at my experience that took place March the 22nd, 2003, I would have many questions. If I were to look at my repentance, I would have many questions. You know how I know? My faith has found a resting place, not in device or creed. I trust the ever-living one. His wounds for me shall plead. In other words, unto him. Unto him. That's the direction of this song. And so if you're going to be in heaven, you will be able to point completely, solely to him, the Lord Jesus Christ. That was the direction of the song. Notice the devotion in this song. Unto him that loved us. You see, everyone who will be in heaven, they won't be there because they loved God. And they just loved him enough. And they maybe even gave their heart to him out of, out of how much they loved him. No, everyone who will be there will all unite. Now, just think of it. Think of it. A, a, a congregation far bigger than what's here tonight. It's pretty big. It says, out of every tongue and tribe and people and nation surrounding one person unto him that loved us. Every person will point to his love for us. And I want to tell you, even as our first hymn said, if it weren't for the love of God, there wouldn't be a gospel message. There's no gospel without the love of God. If God had just seen us in our sin and all our, our ruin, and if he had not loved us, there would be no hope for any of us. Even the, even the most religious or the most good person in this auditorium, there'd be no hope for you. But praise God. That's what this hymn is. It's a praise to God unto him who loved us. That brings me even great comfort as a believer. You know, he loved me at my very worst. He loved me in my sin. He loved me as, when I was just completely helpless. And so as Christian life comes and goes and there's, and there's fumbles and, and stumbles unto him who loved us. Unto him. Unto him. So the direction of the song is to him. The devotion of the song, it's his love. His love. His love that did what? What did his love do? 
It says here, here's the description. It says, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his blood. The description in this verse is very interesting. It describes sin. I don't know how, how you might think of sin. There are people who, who say that sin are the, are the mistakes that some of us make. Sin is, uh, you know, cheating and lying and didn't mean to do it. And if I could take it back, I wouldn't have done it. Sure, we all make mistakes. But in this verse, this group of people are describing sin in a, in a way that, that, that God would look at sin. It's described as a filthy thing, something that's dirty that needs to be washed. You know, in the, in the first three chapters of Romans, we have a very interesting view of what sin is. There are a, a group of people, the, the Gentile people, that would be you and I today, but back then there were people who had no real relationship with God, and yet whatever light they had, they just ignored it, they suppressed it, and in rebellion, they continued doing the things that they wanted to do. And then there's the Jewish people, and they do the same thing. Against the light that they have, they rebel against God. In other words, the Apostle Paul in Romans is describing sin, not, at, not, not as the few mistakes some of us make, but as open, willful rebellion against God. That there is a standard, there is an expectation that God had for us, a way we were intended to live. But we have shaken our fist against God. We've gone against our conscience. How many people are weighed down by the sins of a conscience and they take something and they, and, and they take it and they, no one knows that they took it and they think they got rid of it and they, and they got it for free and then years later, they didn't get it for free. A guilty conscience weighs on them. Years later, and we sin against conscience and we sin against God's law. And in here in this verse, it's described as like a filthy thing, a dirty thing. And everyone who is saved, everyone who will be in heaven, not all of us come to great theological understandings when it comes to the depravity of man. But all of us understand this. Sin is an offense against God. Sin is dirty in his sight. That's why when a person is saved, the Bible says that they turn. They turn, repent. They turn from sin to God. They turn because it's dirty. It's filthy. And that's how it's described in this verse. It's described as a dirty thing. Unto him who loved us and washed us from our sin. I want to tell you just bare basic facts today. Listen, there will not be one sin in heaven. I'm thankful for that because all it took was one sin on earth to make earth the way it is today. And earth is a very ruined place. And God is going to protect heaven. He is committed to the purity of heaven, and there will not be one sin in it. Listen to what the Bible says, also in the book of Revelation. Neither shall enter into it anything that defiles. Neither whatsoever worketh an abomination or maketh a lie. In other words, God has said, no sin. It's never going to make heaven dirty. It's never going to make heaven corrupt. Heaven is going to be pure, beautiful. You know what the big problem is? All of us in this room, all of us without exception, have sinned against God. And more than that, 
as we even heard earlier today, it's not just the things that we've done. It's who we are. Do you know how God describes your heart and mine? God says that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Filthy in the sight of God. Filthy. It's not how he intended human beings to be. It's not how he created them to be. But we've all turned our, turned our own way. And this is how the description of sin. Strange thing that people are singing about that. But they're not singing about how filthy they were. And they're not singing about how depraved they were. They're singing that no matter who they were, he washed us. He washed us. Oh, it's a great thing, my friend. Listen, it's a great thing to preach the gospel. And I want to tell you this. Just in case there's somebody here and you're holding on to some kind of a shell of a profession, maybe some story you have or something, some profession you made and mom and dad were happy and elders were happy and the assembly was happy and you know right well tonight you have not come in the good of being washed. I want to encourage you tonight. It's a real thing. It's a real thing to know. In the sight of God, I'm clean. Because of the blood of Christ, Don't hold on to a shell. Don't hold on to anything that's just false security. There is real security, real security in the blood of Christ. And that brings me to this this next point. The direction of the hymn unto him. The devotion, he loved us. The description of our sin, it's filthy. Something that needed to be washed away or God could never allow someone like me in his presence. But here's the great news, the gospel the news of deliverance, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sin. How? In his blood. This is the great deliverance, the great deliverance in the gospel. Let me ask you something tonight. I don't know very much about washing. I don't know how soap works to take out stains. From what I understand, from those who do know something about the subject, soap has to work almost like a a key. And the stain in your shirt or in your clothes is like a lock. That's what keeps it on your clothes. And they come come up with this composition in soap or in detergent or whatever, and it works as a key that unlocks, unlocks the stain, and then it breaks free when water washes it away. Soap is like a, a key and a lock mechanism. That's how they say it works. So what we need then, if we understand sin as filth, that's not only on the outside, not only on the things I've done that people know about, but on the inside, on my secrets, on my mind, on my heart. What we need is something that is able to meet the claim of sin. Something that is able to to break sin's power. And I've asked this often in, in gospel preaching, but I would ask you tonight, do you know of anything that is stronger than sin? Do you know any church that's stronger than sin? Any ritual that's stronger than sin? Any preacher that's stronger than sin? No. No, all of them have fallen victim to the power of sin. Sin, when it's finished and when it's run its course, has brought forth death. But thank God, Thank God that there is something stronger than sin. Oh, the blood of Jesus. The precious 
blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Listen, it cleanses from all sin. It cleanses from all sin. Why? Because the Lord Jesus came into this world as a perfect man. And he lived a life without one fault. No sinful thoughts or deeds or even a sinful motive. There was no sin within him. Perfect. Impeccable. And as he lived on this world in that perfect life, people hated him. They were envious of him. And there came a day where they all came together and said, away with him, and they put him out on a cross. We also learn in the Bible that he wasn't just there because of a victim of of circumstances. He was there by his own will. He said, I have the power to lay down my life. I have the power to take it again. And the apostle Peter says he was there by the determinate counsel of God. God wanted him there. Why? To meet the claims of sin. You see, if you were to understand tonight, just to be very simple, if you were to understand this evening that sin is your problem, it's not so much that hell's the problem, not so much that the Lord's coming's the problem. It's no problem for me. Sin is the problem. If you were to understand, not, not so much that you can't believe, that's not the problem, not a problem in the Bible. The problem is my sin. It is filthy against God, and his law has said it can never enter into his presence. If you were to understand that, and you were to look for, is there any answer for sin? You know what the Bible would tell you? Over and over and over, there's an answer for sin. Listen to it. It's clear over and over in the Bible. Christ also once suffered for sin. Christ died for the ungodly. Christ died for our sins the just for the unjust, that we can be brought to God. You see, the Bible is telling us over and over, not much about the crucifixion, not much about how painful it was, not much about how shameful it was, but it's telling us the purpose of it. God is saying over and over, that center cross was for sin, for sin. And if there was someone in this meeting tonight who would understand this, I have sin. God would say this, that's why I sent my son. That's why he shed his blood. And unto him that loved us and washed us from our sin in his blood. You see, when he died under sin's penalty, that is the penalty for sin, the wages of sin is death. The Bible, the law of God says, the soul that sins must die. Now remember, if you followed my little analogy, a stain is, is, is locked to a shirt or a piece of clothing, right? What is locking? What is binding? <laughs> what is the claim that is keeping sin on me? It's the claim of death. The soul that sins, that's me, must die. You see, when the Lord Jesus went to that cross, sinless. And when he died, And he shed his blood. He did it as a substitute. And he did it toward God, as we also heard about today, to satisfy God. For what? To satisfy God for the claim of sin. You see, when he suffered on that cross, the Bible says it like this. It's so simple. (laughs) It says this, all we like sheep had gone astray. Each of us have turned our own way. But the Lord laid on him 
the sin of us all. His soul was made an offering for sin. And what a person understands when they're saved, what I understood was this. I didn't know very much. I thought I did. I had heard the gospel and I thought I was Sunday school pupil, you know, chief of the class. But you know, when I was saved, what I understood was this. Because he died, I'll never have to die in hell. Why? Because the payment God required for my sin, it wasn't that I did something. It wasn't that I felt something. It was that I understood that that payment that God required for me, he took. He endured. He suffered under the penalty for my sin. He was my substitute. He died for me. He shed his blood. Remember what the Bible says, book of Hebrews, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. But the Lord Jesus saw us in all our need. All of us would have only offered guilty, sinful blood. And he came and he offered his sinless blood. That's what's being offered here to you tonight in this gospel meeting. Please understand, what's being offered is not an experience. We're not even offering a verse. It's Christ. And it's the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses from sin. I am not going to be in heaven because I will say, look at this verse. I will be in heaven because of the blood of Jesus Christ. I will be in heaven because of a man. And every single person who will be there will sing what? Unto him. Unto him who has loved us and washed us from sin, unto him be the glory forever. Amen. We will sing to him. I stop and ask you again tonight. Can you sing this song? Do you know what it is to have your sins washed away? To see them gone? Not because of anything you've done. Remember, it's not unto me who worked, unto me who believed, unto me who figured it out. No, it's unto him. (laughs) Unto him who loved me and washed me from my sin. Can you sing it? You could. You could be able to sing this song before you leave this meeting. If by simple, childlike faith, you were to take the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. The duration of this song, I don't want you to think like heaven is a (laughs) never-ending hymn sing. But at the same time, from our hearts, this is one song that will never go away. Forever. Throughout the never-ending ages, as he continually shows us the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ, as we look at Christ unto him who loved me and washed me from my sin in his blood. Trust Christ today and you'll be able to sing this song in truth.